0: Welcome to another NL full time. I'm Rob Worrell, and uh, our lineup today features uh, a couple of changes this afternoon. Now, first up, the Star Wars of the team, Dickie Wharton. He's a manager's dream, seven out of 10 every week. Uh,
1: how you doing, Dickie? Um, yeah, I aspire to eight, Rob, some weeks, but uh, yeah, oh, I'm fine. Yes, good to see you.
0: Bloody good to hear it, mate. Superb. Our second guest, returning to the starting lineup today to cover all angles of the pitch with his 2020 vision and ability to see everything going on through uh, throughout the ninety minutes with perfect pictures, is uh, the Hampton and Richmond photographer Tom Lamb.
2: Thanks very much, Rob. You've done me uh, too much credit with that intro, but um, yeah, great to <laughs> great to be back and join you for the week.
0: Now, our third and final guest today. I think last time we brought him on, we dragged him kicking and screaming onto the podcast after a defeat. So I promised him back then that we'd invite him on next time after a victory. And he got his victory um, yesterday and he, he did it with a prom uh, It's the Talking Wanderers manager, Mark White. Hiya, Mark. Hello, mate. A fair weather guest. <laughs> 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 to be honest with you, mate, I'll tell you who's gutted, right? I'll tell you who's gutted and that's Ross, Ross McNeely. You'll listen to this podcast when he's walking his dog. On Monday, and he's gutted because you've come on back-to-back and he hasn't been invited on again yet. No, this is it, mate. I've
3: told Ross. I'm a bit like Brian Clough at our club. There's only one number one. I've told Ross to pipe
0: down a bit. I don't want him getting any popularity. (laughs) We'll come on to the uh, Dorking Wanderers and Aldershot game in a bit, Mark. But uh, as we look at the National League, the first thing I want to do is just take a little peek back into midweek. Uh, Chesterfield uh, pulled two points clear at the top with a 4 0 victory at home to Neil Ardley's York, which was pretty impressive. And they pulled two points clear because Barnet were held midweek by Solihull. Hull. Uh, Bromley kept up their recent fine form with uh, a hotly disputed late winner against Your Own Dawkin Wonders. But I think we can all agree enough's been said about that one, so we'll we'll move on. There were wins as well for Halifax, for Boreham Wood, Woking. Southend, Wealdstone and Fylde and I was at the highest scoring game of the week which was between Aldershot and uh, Maidenhead United Uh, before the game I caught up with Maidenhead United media's Grace Scott. Grace we have to start with this everybody's favourite prediction to go down every year Maidenhead United and Dev always finds a way but here we are a third of the way through the season and Maidenhead are in the bottom four by no means cut adrift and going toe-to-toe on Saturday with Barnet, who were joint leaders, and only a real late last-minute defeat that must have been quite gutting.
2: It was, and I think it's typical Maidenhead to go to you know the league leaders or you know second as they were, whatever, and put in a performance like that, and then losing that manner. Obviously, it's not the result we wanted, but we've got to take the desire that we showed from that and hopefully turn it around tonight.
0: Goals have been the problem for sure this season. Um, in the FA Cup, the other week we thought, ah, that's it, solved. Show Silver, show Silver, Toby um, got himself a hat trick, but. He's not involved tonight. Is he injured? He has picked
2: up an injury. Um, at a really awkward time for us just when he was picking up form. So uh, as you saw on Saturday, obviously, we did score two goals. So hopefully the players that we've got in the side tonight can work their way forward and make a chance or two.
0: And uh, obviously Sam Beckwith sent off at Barnet. But one man's loss is another's gain. And, and, and the gain tonight is Lewis Kinsella starting against the side that he captained uh, with a lot of pride for so long.
2: I mean, yeah, as you've said, it's obviously quite um, a coincidence that it is the match it is for him to start. So he'll have that desire to put in a performance tonight at the stadium where he's played so much of his football. So fingers crossed he does that for us and let's see.
0: Well, that was Grace Scott. And of course, the shots in that game came from 2-0 down to win 4-2, a couple of goals for Jack Barham and Laurent Tollage apiece. And that actually plummeted Maidenhead United to the bottom of the league midweek. And uh, coming to you on this one, Mark, you and I exchange a few thoughts on the National League uh, quite regularly, don't we? And they quite impressed me. I know they beat your side and they probably bounced back on Saturday, didn't they, with a, a 3-2 win against Eastleigh?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, listen, I'll be honest. We speak and I enjoy it. You're like um, a National League guru. Uh, people should listen. I'm sure they do, mate. <laughs> uh, you look at Maidenhead and think, yeah, Alan Devonshire, he won't be in the bottom four. So um, exclude them. Um, but yeah, bounce back really I mean, I thought last year I spoke to Tommy yesterday, Widrington And uh, and I said that last season Barring the obligatory Wrexham-Knox County Most clubs played in patches Win four, maybe lose four Win another three Lose one, win four um, And that went on Right to the death And I think we're going to see that again this season I really do I think it's just such a lucrative place to be in this division, um, in terms of the profile of the club, the professional status of the of, of the league. That, as we have seen we Fylde, filed. You know, you'll, you'll get clubs change their managers, change their players. Last season, Rob, look at, you know, we. Um, I think in the top five form with fourteen games to go, all of those teams were in the bottom five. Um, Torquay with five straight wins and so my point is that um, you're not down and out in this division, it's too close and like of Maidenhead can um, comfortably go and get
0: three, four wins and go there you go, we're back in mid-table then it'll be somebody else's turn. Exactly right, um, you just don't want to be uh, a bit like musical chairs, you just want to have a seat when the <laughs> when the music stops Don't yeah. Um, Alright, well <laughs> Looking at definitely the top now, and I'm not going to make a mistake and saying the bottom here, but at the top end, um, Chesterfield and Barnet are potentially looking to pull away a little bit like Notts County and Wrexham did last year. Um, both sides got wins on Saturday. Uh, Chesterfield on 44 points, Barnet 42, and then there's a gap of seven points down to Bromley. Do you see those two fighting it out for the title or... Is it too soon to say a third of the way through the season, Mark?
3: It, it is too soon. I think on paper, I mean, Chesterfield done all the right things. Retained, retained all the core of their squad. Someone lucky, obviously, in the in the final player final. Retained the core of their squad. Added in uh, where they needed to. Um, it's hard to see them outside the top three. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Barnet under Dean Brennan, really. When I think of Barnett, and I think this is the same probably for most people, you think of Dean Brennan, uh, which um, probably tells you a little bit about Barnett. Great recruiter, great motivator. I like lo- I like him aggressive, you know, wants to win a game of Connect Four, you know, that type of character. Um, and you know, if someone in a, in a, in a dogfight um, or they can get his team up for a dogfight every week, Dean would be great. I think if you're in though, the, at the moment, I'm looking at it thinking, you know, are they going to avoid that slide? You know, there's most teams will be will have that challenge once a year. And it's a case of can they avoid that slide? Um, you know, for me, when you win divisions, and, and we've won enough to know this, no matter what level you're at, it's if you lose one, you've got to win the next four. Um, and it's avoiding that sort of like, um, making a sort of catastrophe out of one defeat and that, that mentality so I think they avoid the slides these two are the obvious teams to to be up in the top three all season for the reasons I've mentioned um, but I definitely think that's far from known at the moment
0: yeah I don't want to dwell too much specifically on every individual game as we've got the uh, benefit of having you on this week one of the things that struck me Mark um you know, three wins if you're mid-table and you could be just into the fringes of those uh, the, those playoffs. But one of the things that struck me in how, how the league's going to develop over this season is there's three or four pretty big clubs with good reasons why they're going to come again and they're going to come on strong this season. Um, and off the top of my head, I'm thinking York, Oldham and Southend. I mean, we obviously already know that if you were to take the 10 points off south end would be what 31 they'd be sat comfortably in a playoff place now but they and and they're only going to go from strength to strength now aren't they um york hardly, kind of gets his his uh, feet under the table there and it's it's slow progress there but oldham as well um hot favorites at the start of the season didn't quite deliver but i feel all those big clubs are going to come again and it's a long it's a long race isn't it
3: It's a long race, yeah. I mean, I think that if anyone, if anyone, if any of us got marched to the bank now and and got told we've got to put our mortgage on somebody to win this division, I think we'd all say Chesterfield. That's the bottom line. Um, They've got the best squad, very experienced manager, and they were beaten player finalists. Um, But it's far from a done deal. And yeah, you're right. There's um, a lot to play for, some big clubs in there. If I could, Handpick someone to be elected a player spot. It'd be Kevin Southend. Um, I'm not one of those that likes going in off the black, you know, uh, or your opponent going in off the black. Ten point deduction. I think there's still work to be done there, probably with the sale going through and stuff like that. I really hope that there's no 23rd hour problems. But um, yeah, I think if if there is a slide of any description, albeit a four or five game sticky patch, there are clubs that could take advantage for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And End right now sat on 21 points despite the 10. Uh, they're already five points clear of the uh, relegation zone and just six points off the playoffs as it stands. So they're well on their way there. Let's come then to uh, the game that you and I were at yesterday, Mark. Um, it was your classic football scenario, wasn't it? One team all the shot just got into the playoff positions four wins in all competitions wanderers couldn't buy a result uh, gone out of the fa cup lost four in all competitions on the trot injury crisis as well it was <laughs> a shoeing, wasn't it it was an all shot win but it didn't work out <laughs> yeah. that way um 2-1 winners yourselves dorkin wanderers and and you won with a plum absolutely only one team minute for me and regular listeners will know that uh, that hurts me to say it but uh, very, very good win yesterday, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I
3: was, I was so pleased. I mean, I think six of that starting lineup have been here, been here over five years. Um, we had players that hadn't played all season. Um, we're in amidst a massive injury crisis it only gets worse, but sometimes all you can give is all you've got. And to your point, the reason we all love football is that it does throw up that scenario time after time. I think most football managers and supporters. Um, would know that when you least expect it, you put off wins. To be fair, the wins we got away on the road at Halifax, Hartlepool, similar situations, backs against the wall, shorter players. But um, I think, do you know what it it told me most, really? It it, it just confirmed what we were just saying in this division. It's um, There's a a load of teams you can throw a blanket over. And um, if they played each other... Probably most teams in this league, they played each other six times, uh, 10 times. You know, they win six, lose four, whichever way around that comes. That's how tight this league is. Um, so it's, it's one to be focused on. And it's bloody boring, but it's a league to just look at the next game. It really is.
0: Yeah, it was great to be at Medibank yesterday. Fantastic atmosphere, not too far short of 3,000, almost a 1,000 shots, fans in attendance as well. And they were well-watered before the game, thanks to your generosity, Mark. Um, on behalf of everybody at Aldershot, I'm sure they appreciated that. Coming on to uh, a couple of players I wanted to pick out from yesterday. Um, you got yourself underway early on with a classic Jason Pryor near post-flipped header. I think that's six, seven, eight, whatever, for the season now. Um, and he resisted playing at this level for a long time, didn't he? He didn't think he wanted to do the national travel. But you, you hooked him back in about a year it was around about a year ago, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, he's enjoyed being being at our club and and um he knows he's in the departure lounge in football, probably, sadly. Um however, I think the best testament you can ever give Jason Prior is that um if you asked any manager in the league, you know, probably twenty-three of them will sign him. That's the bottom line. Um so that's why I say to my management team, whenever you're sort of looking around thinking, can we improve the team? Just have a think about look at a player and think how many other teams would sign him. In the case of Jason Pryor, most managers would take your arm off for him. Um he is um irreplaceable. Um he what he's done for our club, um, you know, promotions on the C V. Um he is that Dean Brennan character. He'd want to win a game of Scrabble. You take your eyes out to do it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have Jason. He, he scores goals the whole time, doesn't play every game. Um, we try to go easy with him, if that makes sense, because he's a battering ram and he's the first name on the team sheet for the opposition to rough up um, and he takes a lot of knocks and stuff as a result. But, yeah, it's very difficult to keep him out of the action for 90 minutes. And i tell you what I would say about him as well. For those avid football followers, you've never seen a man win so many defensive headers. Um, it's unbelievable. He reads the game. <laughs> he just reads the game. He finds the ball. Um, and uh, so we're very fortunate to have him.
0: Yeah, you, you just made a point that I was going to come in on. He, he, that, that he gives you so much more than just the hold-up play, the leadership and the goals um brilliant defensively and I, I tell you that you know players i've watched at this level who uh maybe i'd compare in terms of how effective he is in both boxes and i'm going back quite away i'm showing me age here but tim Sills, he, and we used to do that for the lights of torquey and all the shot he'd score you plenty of goals with his head but he's back for every set piece and uh, yeah you know superb oh. superb that's all right the lights have gone out on mark but that's all right He can cope with that uh, a lot worse um Another player I want to pick up from um, yesterday's game. He returned, didn't he, from his loan at Bogner? And he's such a popular character, Jimmy Muir at Meadowbank. Bank. I know he picked up a few man of the matches there last year, didn't he? And uh, he proved yesterday, uh, if you don't shoot, you don't
3: score. This is it, mate. Um, he had a really serious, he's not done a pre-season. Uh, they found a lump in his liver is for a young man, he had a really worrying spell where that he had to get a biopsy um, and um, yeah, they found it to be fine and he had to have surgery. So he'd not done any pre-season. He's gone to Bognor, um, probably played about an hour, worth of football, hour and a half. Come straight back in. Last year, when the chips were down, he was borderline, the only winger we had fit. Um, and he was one of the big reasons we stayed in the, in the division and had that great run um, every single week. So, and what I say, Rob, is that our club is built around players that have been there a long time. It's not just the desire for the for the club, but also the way we play. Last couple of the games, we've been a lot more wanderers esque in terms of playing football, good pattern, good shape, exciting, which is what we're known for,
0: and that's where we are at the moment. We're trying to bring that back good stuff. Just a quick uh, doff of our cap back to the uh, games on Saturday. Bromley got a really good 1-0 win away at uh, Woking. Filed uh, built on their recent good form. They won 3-0 at home in the week and they won 4-0 at Gateshead. And I've got to ask your opinion on this one because you never quite know what influence a manager has. Um, and Gateshead have been playing like Notts County, Man City, Brazil, whoever you like this season. They looked almost untouchable uh, at times, Mark. Now, Mike Williamson's gone, and rightly so. A terrific uplift for him into the Football League with MK Dons. Initially, I was worried for Gateshead, and then I thought, hang on a minute, everybody's trained in the Gateshead way, aren't they? But the mixed results since he left uh, suggested that it is a difficult time for him, isn't it? Uh, really difficult. I mean, there's there's absolutely no way with Mike there they would have finished
3: outside the playoffs. I mean, uh the end of season form and um and also getting to Wembley showed that. Um on a on a on, on a on a shoestring budget, I'd say as well. Um I think Mike Williamson will manage at the highest level in this in the game, if I'm honest with you. Um up and coming. He's in that modern mould, Luke Williams-esque. Um and yeah, I mean that's after the Lord Mayor's show. Yeah, principally you think well it's the same players, uh, keep the assistant manager, etc. But when the conductor's gone, um, it's really difficult, really difficult. So it'd be interesting to see. I think probably the best bet there will be, and I'm sure that's the way they're. They're a good club. They'll probably be thinking right, Mike Williamson's gone. And now we need the next era of Gateshead, you know, someone new, etc. But um, equally, you know, um, it may well be that they turn it round and that maybe this has just been a bit of a shell shock and they may turn it round.
0: yep yeah. uh, Just looking again at some of the other results, York and Halifax shared the spoils, one all. That was the live TV game and Oldham and uh, Altingham also ended 2-2. And Rochdale came out by the odd goal in five at Hartlepool. Uh, in truth, they always had their noses ahead in that one. It was a great win for Strev's side. Isn't it funny? You talked about these little patterns, Mark, and Dagenham-Redbridge go back a month and they couldn't buy a result and something kept happening to them late on in games. And now, if I remember correctly, they've won the last couple of games in the last minute. Won yeah, last... I see that. Yeah. I, I... We're playing them next week.
3: Um we're playing next Saturday. we the only nat we rearranged it to a Saturday from a midweek game. So, yeah, I've spotted that. But yeah, that is how it goes. This is not a league to look too far ahead in, um, or to look behind in. It's really not. It's it's just too competitive. It really is.
0: Yeah. One other game. Solihull Moors one, they will Keep Solihull Moors in in fourth place. But uh, I know I've got one more for you, and and Dickie's got a question for you too as well.
1: Yeah, I, it seems a bit um, obvious to ask, really, Mark. But um, your post-match interview last weekend got quite a lot of attention. Now, not as we knowing you as we do, as having been on this podcast before, and obviously Rob knows you really well. We were able to say, you know what, that's that, that's almost a standard Mark White interview. But how how did it how does it feel to get that kind of attention with people jumping on it like that?
3: Well, it's frustrating to a degree because I mean, I, I, because as you say, that's just me week in, week out. So when people don't see the, the the balance that goes with that, when I'm when I'm stood there saying, they said, "Why did you lose?" and I said, "Well, I was playing five four two second half, and I couldn't work out why we why the system weren't working. But I had too many players. So no, it, obviously, I just try. I'm in that luxurious position as owner, um, where I'm able to essentially represent a bit of honesty in the fans as, as well, make sure the fans know what they want to know. So I, I'm very lucky I, other managers can't do that. I'm able to say, look, today it was me. Yesterday it was, it was the players. Today it was a little bit of both. And I always I like to give fair and firm feedback and the players know that. So they have no issue with that.
1: Yeah, I suppose that was one of the things that the, the comments that came out of it mainly was just about, you know, how the players react. But again, Knowing you as we do, you know there's there's no there's no surprises in in your dressing room when you speak to the team that way.
3: No, and and there's no surprises when I I, I spend more time praising than I do anything else. So I think if, if people know what to expect and what's expected, um, that tends to be the best way for a changing room to be. Uh, we went in Tuesday morning and um, had, a, had a chat, and then. Once it was done, it was done. We went out and forgot about it, and that's it. But um, yeah, it got a bit of attention. I mean, that hurt us. That defeat, um, as you can tell, as a club, we've never been in the first round properly. FA Cup, it's scandalous. And financially, you know, we're in a position where we're in a division that, that takes a lot of resources. So yeah, I wasn't. I probably if that had been. Um, I don't know. Let's say lost one nil at Eastley or failed. I'd have been annoyed, but probably not as annoyed. But losing to a team two divisions below in the Cup and the supporters were devastated. So I had to sort of let the players have it.
0: Okay, cheers. Now, to wrap things up with you, Mark, and we can take our time, there's no rush on this one at all, but um, a couple of things, really. Um, You were on the podcast a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, you're proud of everything that Dawkins Wanderers have done uh, part-time. And at that stage, you... You wanted Dawkin Wanderers to be the, the first part-time team in the Football League and everything. Obviously, since then, there's been an awful lot of learning along the way. And I know you're kind of two mornings a week this season and you're trying to progress towards a full-time model for next season. But I was asked a question in a preview I had to do for BBC Surrey in the week. And I, I kind of answered what I thought you'd say, but I want to ask you directly. They said to me, really good question. Do you think that Dawkins will reach a kind of natural level, a little plateau, a little sort of natural level where, you know, that'll be as far as it can go? And and my answer was (laughs) not while Mark White's heart's still beating and not while he's still owning that club and running that club. I mean, what is the truthful answer? Truthful answer is, I think I look at Sutton United.
3: That's it. That's my answer. You know, you've only got to look at it. It's a bit like when the first bloke runner... Did Roger Bannister run a four-minute mile?
0: Yeah.
3: One but it, it took forever to run it. And then in the, in the next three years, I think all sorts of people run it. Does that make sense? And yeah. When you've got when you've got examples of where um Saturn on a really modest budget won the division, had a brilliant first season in League Two. Um, and that's without the big hurrah around them that maybe Dork and Wanderers would have and the amount of interest we have. So we're always going to keep trying to go forward. Whether that means we can't or can is a different matter, but we'll never, ever stop trying to go forward and campaigning for everything we think is wrong in football and shouting our mouths off along the way.
0: um, That's just us. We've got a minute left. Let's deal with yellow cards. They're being waved around like confetti. I think your side on Saturday had, six or seven and then a couple more second yellows after the final whistle. Uh what is going on, Mark?
3: It's just out of control basically. So it's a bit like it's a bit like speeding cameras, you know, like there, there's way more of them. Um and the points tally is still the same, 12 points. It's the same one. It's five bookings for for one match suspension. During a game, you know, it, it's affecting the game because players can be cautioned uh, for absolutely anything and then obviously it can reduce the numbers on the pitch and uh yeah we've seen it across the whole land this season um wasn't broken you know wasn't an issue they talked about it being time wasting Well, officials have managed time wasting for years brilliantly but now all of a sudden it's like um um there's like this kind of remit just to show yellows and you've got players getting sent off uh, um jogging to take a corner. Uh, for a second booking and stuff like that. So, yeah, not over the moon with it, to be honest. And I really do hope, final thing, I really want the FA to intervene with the PG, MOL. Um, there needs to be intervention, right? They can't even get it right when they're watching it back in action replay. The laws of the game have changed too much. Rugby, top to bottom, has got... Um, it's, almost, it's almost refreshing to watch that game, and see how great the laws are, how they're managed, how the players respect it. There's got to be external intervention here to stop this madness. Because what's happening is is that their solution, and I say they, the PGMOL, is just to create more of a dictatorship. If people don't speak or if people get a yellow card, then they
0: think that's it dealt with. But it's not. Brilliant stuff, Mark. Thanks for coming on as always. Cheers, guys.
2: Taking antibiotics when you don't need them puts you and your family at risk of a longer and more severe illness. Always take your doctor's advice. Search NHS Antibiotics.
0: Right, we're going to take a look now at the National League South. Tom, a full set of fixtures in midweek. And uh, one of the things I noticed from those games was the continued good form uh, out of nowhere, really, of Hampton and Richmond Borough. Um, you got a thumping win in the week against high class opposition. And then back that up on uh, Saturday against Torquay. So just tell us what's been going on at Hampton and Richmond from the outside looking in. We know about the new investment there, but there was perhaps a feeling of it taking a long time to, to get going this season. And, uh, you know, perhaps an underachievement. But that's, that's all changed in the last month, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has. And I think um, it feels to me a little bit as though the the loss at uh, Lewis in the FA Cup, 3-0 reversal, um, really, really poor game as well, has been a bit of a catalyst. And I think maybe there are a few home truths um, sort of shared in the dressing room. And and actually, what's been really nice is, like, is the mood was never that low around the club, like internally in the club. The players were confident that they turned it around and they felt that they got a good group and the manager felt that he had a good group. Um, and I think it's the seven away matches at the beginning of the season, was always going to have an impact, not just in terms of the actual, the fact that you're going to be not maybe not carrying as many points after seven games as you'd like to, but the amount of travelling, the fatigue impact that has, the time that the players aren't uh, on the training ground in the same way, that they're, they're, they're not getting into their match-going routine in, a, in the same way that you would do in a normal season. I think it did have an impact and that sort of had a bit of a hangover. Um, but now five wins out of five, that's the first time we've done that since 2018, And against team, you know, against good teams like Worthing are a good side. 4 1 win against Worthing is a really good result. Taunton have only lost once at home all season. A 1 0 win away there is a really good result. And whatever troubles Torquay are going through, and I'm sure we will discuss them, um, we've got to take the advantage, the opportunity to do so whilst Joe's not here. Um, A 3 1 win against a full time outfit is a good result. Um, You know, Worthing, they. They probably played a style that suited Hampton. Um, they are a very open and expansive team, and Hampton Hampton have an attacking lineup that suits that. They're mobile, they're likes Ben Seymour, Mason Bloomfield, um, like Alfie Wing and Rory Donaldson. They're all running players, Connor Curran Brown. They all want to get the ball on the floor and run with it or run onto it, and that probably suited them. In terms of yesterday's result, um, a nice little quirk of the game Ben Seymour is now scored a, pe- a penalty in every home game we've had this season so that's six goals in total for him um, he played the ball into a really dangerous area uh, for the own goal I think Olly Robinson got the, la- the last touch on it uh, Olly Tomlinson sorry got the last touch on it um, but Mason Bloomfield was there and would have scored anyway then Seymour got a penalty 2-0 in it up at half time um, Mason Bloomfield scored a lovely lob to make it 3-0 and then Asa Hall got a 90 second minute consolation Torquay were poor to be honest um they're down to ninth and they were very, very unhappy. There was a lot of sort of confrontation towards Gary Johnson at the end of the game from some of the supporters. Um, you know, Ross Marshall fronted up, fronted up, squared up. I'll let you choose depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Um, with one of the supporters at the end of the game, and um, they were getting a lot of abuse coming off the pitch. It wasn't really nice to see. Um, but that you know, they have legitimate concerns at Torquay. They've been relegated, they've retained the manager. They were expecting to be in a, in a you know, sort of slugfest with Yeovil for the league. And they're now down to ninth. They're 10 points off the top. They're closer to relegation zones than they are to the top. They've just lost Aaron Jarvis in midweek in the game against Western Supermare. Where the goals come from without him in this side? Um, I think he had sort of seven in the league and without him, they're going to struggle to score. Whereas Hampton, as I say, five wins in a row, only one loss in the last eight, which was against Yeovil. Up to sixth. Um, and the other thing I'll mention as well is just the feeling around the club. Attendances at Hampton are up 78% on last season. Um, that feels pretty big. You know, we're consistently averaging over a thousand for home Saturday games. Um and yeah, so uh, long way the positivity continue away today for next week and hopefully make
0: it six in a row. And good to see my old mate Alfie Whittingham on the score sheet in uh, midweek as well. Uh, Tough times for Torquay. It might be just as well, really, that Joe's not around this week. Back-to-back away defeats, as you say. They've dropped out of the top seven now. Hampton and Richmond uh, have found a nice little berth in there. Uh, All the teams from third to seventh in the National League South have got 24 points at the moment. But uh, let's go no further into the review of the National League South without doffing our caps to Mark Cooper's Yeovil, who on Saturday, Tom, made it to 10 out of 10. Yes, they did. Um, and as you say, they, they are
2: not not only the form team in the division, they're the standout favourites. You, you talk about the closeness in the league there. There's only 10 points separating from second down to 19th. Um, yet Yeovil sit there with a nice six-point cushion and um, deservedly say so. they're the best team I've seen this season. Jordan Young is a footballer who should not be playing in the National League South in particular, but th- there's a lot of them in that Yobel side. Um no, no losses at home all season. Um, and then let's not forget Braintree and no slouch as well. That's their first loss since the 28th of August when they uh, went down to Torquay. Uh, they just come off the back of three, three wins and four draws coming off this game. Um, so uh, Matt Worthington's second and Jake Hyde's third of the season puts uh, Yeovil six points clear and, and Braintree sitting 14th. I mean, for the seven-game run they've had, Bra- Braintree would probably like to be a bit higher than 14th. Um, But they'll be confident of bouncing back against this. I think there'll be a lot of teams this season will look at their games against Yeovil and think there's no shame in losing them.
0: They aren't the ones that are going to decide where we finish this year. Absolutely. Braintree hung in the game until the 90th minute when Jake Hyde scored that goal. And uh, something else has just popped into my head and uh, Joe wouldn't forgive me for not mentioning it because he was in amongst it. But was it not indeed uh, a record crowd for the National League South midweek uh, at Yeovil?
2: It was, yeah. It was... um... The Somerset-Dorset derby. So, um, yeah, a record crowd for the National League South. And having just mentioned about Hampton's attendances on the up, it is nice to see uh, that those sort of things are being replicated across the division.
0: Now, we waxed lyrical, didn't we, about Aveley when you last came on a month or so ago, Tom? And they're still there in second place. Uh, And that result's not to be sniffed at. A 1-0 away win on Saturday at St Albans.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some Albans I will say are pretty inconsistent. Um, they're they're very patchy and have been what for four or five years now. Um, and they were without Michael Johnson as well, who I think broke his hand in midweek. But for Averley, the question's always been: How's their squad going to cope once it gets to the sort of run of fixtures in the in the winter? And if they lose players to injury or moves, because they are a small squad and they're a lot of players who are inexperienced at this level. Um, so I think the fact that they picked up two two good wins in a row. Um, since the departure of John Benton to Solly Hull. John Benton was such a key player for them since arriving from Southend in the summer. Um, And so to pick up six points from six without him will be a real confidence booster for them.
0: Um, And yeah, up to second. And and you have to say that they're on merit. And just sandwiched in between Abley and those four teams on 24 points above City, uh, they were the victims of uh, a comeback from Worthing from their midweek defeat at your place. Uh, just tell us about that one. Bath nil, Worthing two.
2: Yeah, that's a really, really important win for Worthing. I think, um, as you know, you mentioned sort of they went down four one in midweek. They hadn't. They also, despite their... everyone talks about Worthing as being one of the top teams in the division, and, and I believe on the paper they are. They haven't actually won in the league since the fifth of September when they beat Welling two nil. Um, so that's a really important win for them. They'd had three losses and two draws in their last five results. Bath had only lost once at home previously. Bath had also scored in every single fixture they played this season, apart from a 2-0 loss to Worthing in the FA Cup. So if there's anyone who who knows how to keep Bath um, quiet, it's Worthing, and they did it really well. Um, And in Ricky Aguiar, they've got a really, really good footballer. That's his sixth goal of the season. Um, And also, you'll be delighted, of course, as I know a lot of people across the non-league system will, to have seen Jake Robinson getting his birth league goal of the season. Um, really good to see him getting uh, back on the score sheet in league
0: football after such a long time out with that injury. Yeah, well done, Jay. Friend of the podcast, used to listen a lot. It's been on a couple of times. Um, now, bear with me on this one. Tottenham Hotspur had a wonderful striker in Harry Kane and they said cheerio to him. And they're a better team now. at <laughs> the top of the Premier League. Um, Farnborough, a month or so ago, Said goodbye to Alfie Pavey, who was in fantastic form, wasn't he? And what's happened to Farnborough since then? Probably the team that's keeping up with your lot in terms of the best form in the division, mainly thanks to a fantastic home record, only really bettered by Yeovil. Another resounding home win for Farnborough on Saturday. And they move up to fourth place, Tom.
2: Absolutely. Um, and it's, I think it's spot on. Um with with tying it to the Pavey lot the, the loss of Pavey. I mean, not to say that I think they are a better team because Pavey has left, but Pavey left for a not in inconsiderate amount of money, and they've invested it. And I think that they have improved the squad for the loss of Pavey. Um and they're sharing goals around. The goals yesterday for Levy, Maloney, Holmes, and Robinson. Um, you know, they're not as dependent on Pavey for the for that focal point anymore. Um so I think, you know. They're unbeaten seven. They've scored four twice in a row. So they're really enjoying their football at the moment. They did have the fortune of coming up against Dover, the second worst team in the league over the last 10. Uh, Correction: the worst team in the league over the last 10. They've drawn five, lost five, minus 12 goal difference. It's a really rough patch for Dover. They had Ifiani Allen sent off as well, which obviously didn't help. But the other thing which I think is notable about Farnborough is... um, they haven't been afraid to, to recognise that they didn't maybe do the business they wanted to in the summer. Um, they brought in a lot of players and over the last week or two, they've been sort of un- unpicking some of those transfers. You'll notice that um, Ryan Upwood was uh, released this week. Dan Gifford was sold to Bogner Regis. Both of them came in in the summer. Joe Partington went to St Albans a few weeks ago. He obviously arrived in the summer as well from Oldershot, was it? Um yeah. And then this week, they brought in Elon Prouty and Aaron Kuhl on loan. Uh, now I don't know much about Puty, but Kuhl was one of the best players in this division when he was here with Dorking, um, and uh, and they've also brought in Connor Hall from uh, Solihull Moores on loan. Now that's a really good signing in this league. Uh, so I think I think Farnborough will probably be in there for the long haul, and I definitely expect to see them in the playoffs coming end of the season.
0: A little bit of a mid uh, a mid division roundup from me here. Um, Maidstone sit fifth uh, Back to back wins recently off Torquay And if anyone's listening, fans or, or involved with uh, Maidstone George Ellacobi, we're coming for you in the next few weeks We'd love to hear from you uh, But they were held to a one all draw by Western Supermare on Saturday And uh, Taunton stayed just in the playoff places They had a 0-0 draw with Chelmsford um, who are a few points in a few places outside of uh, those playoffs. Um, another game that uh, ended in a draw on Saturday was uh, Welling against Chippenham. Welling um, in const- ensconced in the, uh, the bottom four. Uh, Chippenham just four points out of it.
2: That game was two teams who are pretty both pretty dire in form at the moment. Welling and I win this in eight and Chippenham only won once in that time. Um, Welling down to 22nd and only Dover and Happen keeping them off the bottom and that really was not where they would expect him to be when they brought Danny Bloor in this summer Danny Bloor's like a consistent hitter in this league Um, and I really think that that Welling would have been looking for more from the first third of the season um, when they made
0: that investment in him Yeah and uh, I know Joe had eyes on Welling a couple of weeks ago and wasn't impressed either Locked bang in mid-table in 12th and 13th place Hemel Hempstead and Dartford, and they came together on uh, Saturday. Tom, didn't they tell us about that one? They did, yeah.
2: And uh, Hemel sort of baffled me. Baffles me a bit, like the fact that they're in twelfth. They they have they've only lost once in ten games, but they've drawn six of those. So they'll be obviously delighted to get to the win because they've got a re- they've they've quietly put together a really good squad there over the last three or four months. Um, they've brought in Joey Acquafarino from. Uh, St Albans, who I think he'd sort of run his uh, correction from Oxford, wasn't it? From Oxford, who I think had probably sort of run his race there. He'd been leapfrogged by like for Josh Parker and Clyde Lolos in the pecking order last season. Um, but he's he's really hit the ground running um, with Hemel. I think he's got six goals already this season, five goals already this season. A Luke Coulson penalty for Dartford, but Reese Grant with his first of the season, and then Yaki O'Farnier with his fifth. Um, really good win for Hemel that. And I think. They've got, as I say, they've got a good squad uh, and hopefully that's the springboard that they can kick on from. Um, I think things at Dartford are not quite as grim as they looked about a month ago, but they're still not quite right. Alan Dawson picked up a red card from the touchline yesterday. Um, and I think, again, with the sort of squad that Dowson has got there, they're very combative, they're very strong. They They should be not picking up as
0: many losses as they are. Haven't and Waterlooville remain rooted at the bottom of the National League South on just six points. They picked up that sixth one uh, on Saturday with a one-all draw at home to Weymouth. Uh, A penalty got them back in that one after an own goal had seen Weymouth take a relatively early lead. Probably the game of the day, certainly in terms of uh, the way it uh, spun from one way to the other and the amount of goals. Six shared in the end between Eastbourne and Slough who sit either side of that uh, relegation zone, don't they, Tom? Tell us about that one. Yeah, it, was, um,
2: it looks like an absolute sort of barnstormer of a game down in Eastbourne. Um, I think Gravata, Sheriff and Emerson got the goals for Eastbourne, with Goddard, Platt and Dice uh, notching them for Slough. Um, again, I, I'd say, it's in my opinion, it's probably a better point for Slough than it is for Eastbourne. Um when you look at the table, these clubs are in 20th and 21st, respectively. I think Slough would probably Scott Davis would have known he had a job on his hands staying in the division this season. Um, they're consistently one of the lower budgets in the league. They would have expected to be around there and fighting. And I think they probably would back themselves to to win that fight and survive from relegation. Um, and I think I really rate Davis and management. I think that he will keep them up. But Eastbourne certainly weren't expecting to be down in this position. They've gone full time in the summer. They've hired like a very well-thought-of coach, um, and they've brought in a lot of players this summer as well, like a lot of players, um, and I think it, they're just really struggling to find their groove. Um, I think Eastbourne have won once in the last seven, so that's really not the form that they have expected to pick up. Interestingly, Slough have also only won two in the last ten, but they've only lost once in the last seven. The nice vagaries of the league table, of the form table, you can either portray that as really good run of form or a really bad run of form. Um, so again, our, people can decide depending on which side of the Rebels fence they sit. I think to have only gone one loss in seven for a club of Slough's side is a really important, impressive run. And let's not forget that included knocking out Ebbsfleet in the cup as well along the way.
0: Finally, in the National League South, Truro started the day ahead of their opponents, Tunbridge Angels. But by the end of it, they found themselves... Uh, level on points still uh, now with Eastbourne. Ultimately, in the Battle of the Tees, it was Tunbridge who prevailed then, Tom. It was, yeah. And um, I think
2: like Tunbridge will be not only happy with the result, obviously, um, especially it's a long old trip down to uh, Plymouth Parkway's Belife Ground where Trio play. Um, and great to come back from that with three points. Uh, we know that, having done it with Hampton earlier in the season. But um, they'll be really pleased that uh, Loney, sunny Fish got a goal for them, and also Lewis Guard continued his ridiculous penalty streak. I think that's his sixth penalty of the season, um, which is legitimately impressive. Um, Truro also lost uh, Tyler Harvey to a red card. Now, he's only recently back from injury and they found it so hard to um, to, to hold the ball up front and to, to get themselves up the pitch when he was missing through injury earlier in the season. So it'll be really interesting to see how they get on whilst he's out with the red card. Um, he is, you know, a, a, definitely a National League South quality striker. We've seen it for a number of years, um, and I think Truro are in danger of sort of their early, early good form being undone by their recent uh, patchiness. I think they're down to 19th now. Truro, uh, Tunbridge are up to 15th, uh, and also Tunbridge again have been doing a bit of squad tweaking recently. Um, so they brought in Sunny Fish on loan from Crawley. They've also uh, brought in Ansu Jane from Haven at Waterlooville, who I think is a really good midfielder at this level. Um, he's sort of uh, been part of the the Steve King revolution, culled as part of the Steve King revolution at Havenham at Waterlooville, um, a re- revolution which has garnered them one point so far. But anyway.
0: <laughs> a little moment of humour to finish there. Uh, Tom, great to see you again. Great to see Hampton and Richmond flying high again in the National League South. Uh, come and join us again soon. Yeah,
2: definitely. Thanks very much for
0: having me. We're going to take a look now at the National League North. So, Dickie, quick look back at midweek. Tamworth got another three points thanks to a 1-0 home win against Gloucester. But the other two eye-catching games for me. Scunthorpe took on Spennymore, two of the sides right at the top of the league. So we expected a close one there, didn't we?
1: Um, we did, yes, uh, but uh, yeah, Scunthorpe won the first set decisively, taking this one 6-0. Um, they, uh, they, uh, six nil. They they six love, please if you don't uh, mind. Six yeah. love, yes. My apologies. Yeah, it was three nil by half time. Uh, Connor Smith with uh, the first two goals for Scunthorpe and Tyler Denton adding a third. Spenny Moore then didn't help themselves They had Ben Pollock sent off. Uh, ben Pollock is the son of Jamie Pollock, former Manchester City and Middlesbrough midfielder. Also happens to be the godson of Jason Ainsley, um, the, the Spenny Moore former manager who's a friend of this show. Um, yeah, so I imagine he... Probably has forgiven him now, but yeah, he was sent off just before half time. There were goals then in the second half from Jason Law, Jacob Butterfield, and Danny Whitehall, and it finished six love.
0: Amazing. Probably the most predictable result in midweek was the expected home win for Brackley against uh, Little Russell Olympic. I I, I presume that one. Came through, did it on
1: the coupon. <laughs> I'm afraid he didn't know. Russia Olympic uh, coupon busters on Tuesday evening. A one-nil win away at Brackley. Uh, I don't know. It's it possibly. Possibly that's their best result in this division so far, given how established Brackley are and how well they've been going. But Danny Waldron, we mentioned him last weekend, four goals last weekend. He had another one on Tuesday night, a 40th minute winner for Hall, and they came away from St. James Park with all three points. Another terrific result for Liam McDonald's side.
0: Moving on to Saturday then, Tamworth still sit proudly at the top, Dickie. And they've got a five point lead, haven't they? They were at home again uh, and a goal in each half saw them across the line against Scarborough.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, a, another highly impressive win. Kyle Finn on target in the first half for Tamworth and then a the goal uh, from uh, Nathan Shikuna in the second half. I Having a look at, at, at Tamworth's record, it's quite phenomenal, really. 14 games played now. Only seven goals conceded in 14. They have nine clean sheets as well. So uh, I know he invited uh, Jazz Singh, their goalkeeper, onto this show a few weeks ago and he asked me to hold off. Well, we, we know for certain he's not washing his gloves because he's he's not getting them dirty behind that Tamworth defence. They're doing an absolutely outstanding job. Um, and, you know, with that kind of defensive solidity, um, we spoke about our Tamworth, you know, title contenders and, you know, 14 games into the season, you'd have to say they are.
0: And probably the biggest danger to that, are Scunthorpe United, they were at home again and after banging six in, in midweek, what did they do on Saturday, Dickie?
1: Well, they won the second set by six-one. <laughs> so yeah, if this is a three-set one, uh, that they've already they've already taken it. If it's going to five sets, they need one more. I mean, uh, there was an appeal in the week from Scunthorpe United again to, you know for the community to come out and support the football club and come through the gates and and, and support them in what they're doing there. I have to say two consecutive wins by six goals at home or or with six goals scored uh, is going about the right way to get supporters in. Uh, Smith was on target again. He got them off the mark. Then Bishop Stortford, uh, their rather hapless opponents, did equalise. Giovanni McGregor um, got them level just a minute after Smith's goal, but then Scunthorpe took over. Uh, Regan Ogle with a goal in the 30th minute. Will Evans, who um, has been a friend of this show when he's time with Wood got the third. Tyler Denton on the mark, his fourth goal, uh, sorry, second goal of the week. And then Whitehall again, rounding off the scoring in the 75th and the seventh minute of injury time, a penalty kick to make it 6-1. I, think now that's six defeats on the bounce for Bishop Stortford as well. And I think the worrying thing for them is some of those defeats are coming against sides which are not the better sides in the division. And, you know, you'd be hoping to take points off them. And they're not doing that Bishop Stortford in a big rut at the moment.
0: Brackney looked to bounce back from that midweek home defeat with another home game too. And they started well enough with Newton putting them ahead. But South Shields who sit above them in the table, got level on 70 minutes through Smith. So the points shared there. As for Spennymoor Town, after their hammering, uh, Dickie, they, they responded well, didn't they? Albeit against the league's bottom side, Darlington, uh, but they, they got the job done and the three points on Saturday.
1: Yes, they did. Um, Darlington against Spennymore is traditionally a fiery affair. This has sometimes been played as the Christmas and New Year doubleheader um, and uh, we've had to have early kickoffs because of um, crowd trouble, I have to say, and, and people being <laughs> a bit over-boisterous in support of their team against Durham rivals. Uh, Danny Greenfield got Spenny Moore on the mark yesterday, a uh, 20th-minute goal. Then Mark Anderson scored their second in the 68th minute. Jacob Hazel, he was prolific last season for Darlington, having a much tougher time this time around. He did get them on the board in the 86th minute, but that's just two points in the five games that they've had, and uh, new manager, Josh Gowling, so far. So they're not seeing any immediate um, resurgence of form uh, under their new gaffer.
0: While we're looking at the bottom end of the table, Darlington sit bottom on eight points, Bishop, Storford on 10. Gloucester City couldn't pick up any points on Saturday either, Dickie. They sit third bottom. uh, And the other team that sits in the bottom four are Kings Lynn, who at the very least did pick up a point on Saturday.
1: Yes, they did. They did have a win in midweek Kingsley and they've had two home games in a week and they, they followed with a 3-2 win in midweek um, with a point against Blythe yesterday. Um, got a goal from Ben Stevens in the early stages of the second half to get them ahead, but then a goal from Elliot Forbes from uh, Blythe uh, equalised in the 71st minute and I think Blythe would be much the happier uh, with claiming uh, a point from that game than Kingsley.
0: Yeah, for the record, Wood got a 48th minute goal for Boston as they beat Gloucester, who we just referred to. And that leaves Boston three points out of the playoffs. So their season is recovering somewhat. Uh flipping back up to the top seven, uh well for Alfreton. Um it was all done in ten minutes at home to Farsley Celtic did
1: Yes, it was. Uh, goals from uh, Jordan Thewlis and Jake Day in the third and the eighth minute. Um, and yeah, if you were late getting into this one, you missed the lot. Um, but a 2-0 lead that Alfredton didn't relinquish. They needed to bounce back as well. I think they had a poor... Oh no, they had a win in midweek, sorry, over uh, Hereford. So Alfredon, uh continued to build nicely. It's a little bit inconsistent for Farsley Celtic. Um, but yeah, um, a really good result for Billy Heath's team.
0: If you've gone to Curzon Ashton on Saturday, you could have arrived after eight minutes. You still wouldn't have missed any goals. But uh, in those final 10 minutes, uh, Glendon found a winner for Chester, which nestles them nicely into the uh, uh, fourth and final, uh, or I beg your pardon, the uh, the sixth and final playoff berth at the moment. And sitting just outside of the playoffs, albeit just by a point, a chorley. Um, and they were in them, Dicky, weren't they? But uh, they came up against uh, a rejuvenated Hereford.
1: Yeah, Hereford have picked up a, a couple of better results lately under Paul Cadis. Um, I should just mention on the Chester result as well. I think it's four consecutive wins in the league, uh, six wins on the bounce in all competitions as well. So they're they are bouncing under Callum McIntyre at the moment. Hereford, yeah, they definitely needed some um, um, some results, um, and they've uh, had a goal from Jack Tolly that got them off the mark yesterday away uh, to Chorley at Victory Park. Alex Babos with the second goal. He's been a good signing for them from Banbury. He's picked up um, a number of goals this season from midfield. Jack Sampson, he did get a goal back uh, for Chorley late in the game, the 79th minute. But yeah, Sampson, not strong enough on this occasion and uh, Hereford (laughs) depart with the points.
0: Well, my most local team, Peterborough Sports, have uh, found a bit of form of late, haven't they, Dickie? I think they're... um, One nil win away at Warrington Town. Might have been their third win in four games in the National League North. And uh, that's pulled them a little bit clear of trouble now. Only three points, but they are uh, outside of the playoff zone and up to uh, 18th now.
1: Yes, third winning four, spot on there. Goal from Harry Can yesterday in the 50th minute. They were also boosted on Friday by the return to the club on loan for the rest of the season of Dion Sembi Ferris, who uh, a Peterborough sports player last season caught the eye. Jimmy Dean took him with him to Scunthorpe when he went to Scunthorpe. Um, he can't force his way into that forward line at Scunthorpe. So he's returned to Peterborough sports. And that's a big boost for for Michael Gash Um uh, as the gaffer there to to have him back in their lineup, and uh, yeah, uh, back to the way it was last season with a one nil win.
0: Banbury United um, are doing really well, Dickie, aren't they? To be fair, they're just um, two or three places and just a couple of points outside the playoffs, uh, thanks to uh, a relatively late uh, uh, winner from the penalty spot at Southport, who uh, are just one place and two points now outside the relegation zone.
1: Yes, they are. It was a second away win a week for Banbury. Uh, they went to Boston and won 2-1 on Tuesday evening. And as they won 1-0 yesterday with uh, a goal from Ken Charles from the penalty spot, as you point out. Um, so that's a really welcome boost uh, for Mark Jones's Banbury side because they that they have struggled a bit and and they lost i said that we mentioned babos he he departed um during the summer and they had some other departures as well so he's had to remodel things a little bit down there that's a third defeat on the bounce for southport as well so their um immediate resurgence that they had under jim bentley has hit the buffers a little bit um they, they do seem a much improved side under him. So um, I, I'm sure they'll be looking um, over looking forward rather than looking over their shoulders at Southport.
0: And one more game to look at in the National League North. When Russell Olympic looked at their fixtures for this week, just gone, Dickie, away to Brackley and away to Buxton. They couldn't have surely been uh, particularly high expectations for a points return, but uh, they remain unbeaten across the two games and picked up four points um, following a two-all draw with Buxton.
1: Yeah, another absolutely great result for uh, Rushall yesterday. I know that um, I saw some uh, tweets yesterday from their vice chairman, Nick Allen. He's uh, clearly hugely proud of of how they're going and, and the form that they're picking up. Danny Waldron, again, a sixth goal in three games for him. Um, I know my own club, Telford, are interested in, in the summer. And, uh, you know, we would have loved to bag a forward who could score six goals in three games. But, uh, yeah, he's he's doing terrifically for Rushall. He got them on the mark. Max Hunt equalised for Buxton. However, Rushall were back in the lead before half-time with a goal from Mitch Clark. Um Hunt then got his second goal of the game, an equaliser in his 64th minute. But it stayed on is even at two each and again you would think the away side would be uh, far more satisfied with their point than the home side there.
0: And uh, wherever your team is in the National League North uh, listeners uh, don't panic too much because right now there's just six points between sixth place and 20th place in the National League North it's really closed up in the middle there so a couple of wins might lift you five or six places in that division. That's pretty much it for this week. Thanks to our earlier guests, Tom Lang, and of course to Dawkins, Mark White, and also to uh, Grace Scott for her thoughts from uh, Maidenhead United. Have yourselves uh, a good Footballing Week, listeners. Um, Subscribe to the pod if you enjoy it, and it'll be sent to your inbox every week. And that's about it from us. Play the theme tune, Luke.